Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn two passages with me this morning. Genesis chapter 3 and Luke chapter 3. Amen. I hear ter- pages turning on this side. I don't hear as many on this side. I, hear, I love to hear pages turning. The Bible's so important. And I, and I really like, I like the written word. Electronic word's great. I know that everybody uses all kinds of different things. But the written word is great because you can kind of get a perspective of where you are uh, in the Bible. You know where you are as far as history as God's revealed word to us. You know, the Bible is important. It's kind of like a pastor who was invited to go over to a, a couple's house in his church. They invited him to come over. They had dinner together. And then when the pastor and his wife got up to leave, the wife, the host, she looked at her husband. She said, I think the pastor stole our spoon. And he goes, oh, come on, honey. Surely the pastor didn't steal our spoon. And so she never could find the spoon. She went to church. Well, a year passes. And she was kind of, you know, kind of bitter about the pastor stealing her spoon. And, and so they invited the pastor and his wife over back over to, to dinner again a year later. And she said, after, after the meal, she said, Pastor, I just want to know. She said, look, last time we had you guys over, she said, I was missing a spoon. Did you steal my spoon? And he said, he said oh, no. He said, I didn't steal it. I didn't take your spoon anywhere. He said, I just put it in your Bible. Ooh. Ooh. I like the written word. <laughs> I like the written word because it gives, like I said, it gives you perspective. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, we can find one for you. Um, everybody needs needs a word. Amen. Praise the Lord. What I want to do today is I want to just continue. If you've if you've been following closely uh, over the last month, the Lord is just percolating things in my heart, and one of those things that has been really stirring in me is is prayer. And I want to bring prayer to the front burner of, of, of our focus. Last week, I talked to you about prayer. And I'm not going to preach near as long as I did last week. Can I get an amen? Come on, that was pretty weak. That means, that means I've got a 45-minute sermon I was going to bring down into 15 minutes, but then that'll make me preach two sermons. So <laughs> I want to continue on just, just speaking to you about prayer because I believe what I gave you last week uh, was a lot to chew on, and I hope that that has made a difference because there is a continual need for fellowship in God, and that happens through a continual process of prayer and engaging His presence, just like what we were doing today. Um, but I want to bring prayer to, to the front focus of, of where we are. Um, I believe that we are living in historical moments. I believe not only in our nation, but in the world, in, in God's overall time frame, I believe we're living in a historical moment. How many of you would agree with that? I, I know that many generations have felt the same way, but I truly believe that we are in a, in a truly historical moment. It's, it's a tipping point. It's a turning point. It's a, it's a zeitgeist of, of the world, of, of what's, what's happening and what's taking place around us. And I believe, and I know this, that seasons of prayer usually define historical moments. They've always done so in history. That 
that moments of prayer and specific seasons of prayer, that God calls certain people to certain times, just like Mordecai spoke to Esther and he said, you know, perhaps the Lord has placed you in this role position for such a time as this. And I, I definitely believe that you and I are, are going to see some historical things as we've already seen. Um, and those things are usually defined because God's people begin to begin to pray. You're alive today because God has a purpose for your life. Every person in this room, God has purposed for you to be alive right now, right here at this time. God has a purpose for you, and, and you have had lots of opportunities to die, but God still has you here. And regardless of your age, I mean, every time you get on I-35 freeway, you are coming closer and closer to Jesus. Especially when some of you get out and I've seen you drive. You're, when we talk about I'm ready for Jesus to come, he doesn't have to do anything. He just gets you out on the freeway and watches you drive. He say, hey, you're coming quick. But there's a purpose because all of those things, God has kept you alive. Everybody in this room has purpose, whether you're 18 or whether you're 85. God has purpose for you to be here at this moment. And I believe it's because God strategically does things. I don't think that it's by accident that all the things that, that are going on in the world today that God, God woke up and he said, whoa, I didn't see that coming. I don't think the father is, is caught off guard by anything. I believe he is very strategic. We're in, he, he strategically arranges us where we are. There's a strategic reason why you are here in this church today. I believe that. I don't believe you just, oh, we found you online. Well, okay, you may have found the address online, but you didn't just find us online. Or you didn't just drive by the street. I, I think the Lord has positioned you here and other people are in different places because he strategically arranges, because he's pos positioned you to make a difference. God doesn't just keep you alive so that you can continue to breathe his air and walk on his dirt. He keeps you alive so that you can make a difference historically in the historical moments that he has all around you. So you see, he strategically arranges uh, the kingdom for those who are fervently seeking for the kingdom to make breakthroughs into the world around us. He wants you to seek Him for heaven to be, to be brought into, into breakthrough on earth in different times, in different seasons, and that's where we are. Now, He, he not only strategically arranges us, but, but He strategically uh, shows us the importance of prayer. There is a strategic importance to prayer. The way you prayed five years ago, I don't think is the same way you should be praying today. The things that you prayed about five years ago probably should have changed by now. Partly because the Word of God has, has given you more revelation and understanding, but partly because as the, as the historical moments change, God changes the focus of, and the attention of our prayer because prayer is not just an activity that is just to keep us busy or to keep our emotions heightened, or to give us something to do when we come to church, or to give us something to just be hopeful uh, for someday. But prayer is a divine activity. It is, it, is, um, it is the design of prayer to engage the heart of the Father. That's what prayer is designed for, to engage the heart of the Father. The Lord wants us to engage Him. 
And you've been positioned, I believe, this morning where you are uh, to partner with Him to see His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The thing is, is it didn't begin in Matthew chapter 6. It began in Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to go there and look with me. I'm going to read one verse in Genesis this morning. I'm kind of... I'm kind of at a loss. Shannon is usually always where I'm at in every room. She's almost like the Holy Spirit. She's always with me. And I'm missing her today. Uh, she's gone on a trip with all of her cousins. She told me before she left, she said, you know, you have two major faults. Just two. She said, you have two major faults. Number one is you don't listen very well. Number two, I can't remember what she I wasn't listening very well. It's missing her today. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I want you to look earlier in that verse. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. They heard the sound of the Lord God. What was it that they heard? Have you really thought about that? What did they hear? When I used to take my boys deer hunting, and we're, when, they fir- when they were young and were walking through the woods going to the deer stand, it sounded like a wood chipper was following me. They're, they're finding sticks to step on. It's almost like, and, and, and they're talking to each other. Did you see that? I'm like, shh, be quiet. We're trying to sneak up on the deer. Okay. (laughs) What was it that Adam and Eve heard? The Scripture says that they heard the sound of the Lord coming. Now, the King James Version, if you have that, it actually says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God. Of all the things that they could have heard in that garden, that's what they heard. They heard His voice. That's important because of all the things that you could hear in your life and on your job and in your home and and, and from from people that you know and people that, that, that call you and talk to you, of all those things, they hear, you can hear the voice. And so they, all of the noise in the garden, can you imagine? I mean, the animals are there. Uh, you know, Eve is there. So there is definitely conversation going on. That's not a slight. That's just how God wired us, right? He hears the voice. They hear the voice of the Lord. And one of the reasons why uh, that... The one reason why the Lord came to the garden was so that He could do what? He could talk to, He could fellowship with Adam and Eve. Now, when God talks to us, what do we call that? Fellowship. What do we call that fellowship? We call it prayer. So in a sense, you could look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, and you could say, you know what? What God was doing and what what He was doing with Adam and Eve is they walked through the garden as they were praying. Because in our day, that's what we would call it, right? They were speaking to one another. They were having dialogue. And this is important to understand because you and I are designed to hear the voice of God. 
God created you just as he created Adam and Eve to be able to hear the voice of God. And you say, well, pastor, I've never heard God's voice. I can honestly tell you, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I have not heard God's audible voice. But I have felt his overwhelming peace. I have, in moments of incredible exuberation, felt just this joy come over my life. I have felt this, this, this sense of, 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 of holiness, of just wanting to just kneel down before God. Can I just tell you, that is the voice of God. That is His voice. Well, it's not audible, but He is speaking to you. Spirit to spirit, he's speaking. So, so when you say you pray and you say, I'm not hearing anything from God. Oh, you're hearing. Your hearing is limited through your, not limited through your ears. It's, it's your heart. You receive the voice of the Lord. You are wired. God created you and designed you just like Adam and Eve to hear the, the voice of God because our ability to hear the voice of the Lord is measured by our comprehension of his presence. That's why today when we just kind of slowed everything down, I wanted to cultivate that moment to where you would silence everything else and just listen. Instead of thinking, oh, we got to have something else. We got to sing. We got to do something. There's got to be more song, more words. What we need to do is listen and condition ourselves to hear the voice. We need to get back to that, to where we can hear him. Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord. They heard the Lord walking in the, in the garden. You see, the disciples, they didn't even understand that because what happens when the disciples, Jesus would teach them a lesson and the disciples, and the disciples did not understand, right? Over and over through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see that over and over. And then after Jesus is gone, then it says, and then the disciples remembered. They understood. Did they hear the voice? No. They felt the Spirit of God. They felt His presence and they realized this is what He was saying and He was saying it once again. So how does this work? How does this hearing work? Well, here's how it works in your life most usually. If you have a decision, let's just say this. Some of you have a decision that you have to, a very important decision that you're going to have to make in about three or four weeks. You don't even know that you're going to have to make that decision yet. Now, I'm not being prophetic. I'm just saying, just suppose. There is a very important decision that's coming in your life three or four weeks from now. You're going to have to make that important decision. You don't know what's coming. So what happens is God prepares you to make that decision by planting seeds into your life. And you come to church on Sunday morning and you receive the word and you begin to worship and you begin to, to just water that seed. And, and when you, and when you three weeks from now, you face that decision that you have to make, the seed of the answer has already been planted and it's been growing in your life. Because you've been nurturing what's going on is the Lord has started speaking to you three weeks ago. Now, He's speaking to you now for the decision that's going to be made three or four weeks from now. And that's how God usually speaks to us. He talks to us. He's constantly moving. And that is, and that is how the Lord does it. The Lord is constantly engaging us in conversation. There is a constant initiative by the Father to be able to speak to you. There is a constant calling. There's a constant calling of, of prayer and calling of fellowship. It says that he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The Lord would walk through the garden. The great thing about prayer is that you don't have to go to the highest heights of heaven in order to reach him. He walks right exactly where you are. 
He comes to you. He initiates the conversation. He, there is a, like I said, there is a, a constant initiative by God. He's always wanting to, to be in fellowship with you. And there is this habit that God would make in the cool of the evening there in the garden with Adam and Eve that he would come in the cool of the day. There was a habit that God always wanted to spend a little bit of time with his creation every day. Specific time, specific place. We have a tradition in our lives that God has a habit of frequenting where the scriptures in the New Testament say where two or three are gathered together in my name. I am what? In the midst of them. I am there. And so we have this habit of the Lord saying, Lord, we're coming together to, to, to meet with you. And he walks into this house and he walks into this place and we visit with him and we fellowship with him. And he walks not just randomly through the garden, but he walks in our direction. <laughs> Isn't that great? You're just doing life. You're just living. <laughs> and then you hear something and you're just like, man, what is that? And then it gets stronger and stronger. Why? Because can I tell you, the Lord is walking in your direction. He may feel, you may feel like he's a long way off, just keep listening because he's walking in your direction. It says that he walked in the garden. In the, it was in the cool of the evening. Walking in their direction. They had this regular meeting with the Father. The Lord God walking in the garden. Adam and Eve, this regular meeting. But here's the real question. They had this prayer time, this conversation, this fellowship with God. But what did Adam and Eve really talk to God about? What did they pray about? They didn't have kids, so they didn't have any problems. They're in this perfect garden. They had no stress. They had no financial pressure. They had no sickness. They didn't have anyone that they had offended to forgive. What did they talk to God about? Think about it. What did Adam and Eve visit with the Lord about? What was it about? What did they say? Can I just tell you, here's the, here's the reality of prayer. And it's so important because if you miss this, you'll miss what prayer is all about. Prayer will be some kind of drudgery and some duty that you have to accomplish. In its original form, prayer had nothing to do with our troubles and our problems and crises. Adam and Eve didn't visit with God about troubles and problems and crises. There weren't any. They visited with him and connected to his presence. That's what prayer is. It's connecting to God 
in his presence. It's being in fellowship with him. It's sharing your life with him in conversation, in dialogue, allowing him to speak and you speaking and letting your heart just overflow and letting his heart overflow into you. This is what prayer really is. It's not saying, oh God, I need this. God, this is what's wrong. Lord, this is my problem today. Lord, this is what I'm scared of tomorrow. It's saying, Lord, I want to just talk to you and I want to be with you and I want us just to share life. That's prayer. That's the intimacy of knowing the Father. And sadly, what's happened is many people have lost this understanding of prayer. They see prayer only as a time of crisis, of asking for something. If you only know him as a problem solver, you'll never understand him as a loving father who wants to give you everything. He's not your handyman. He's your father. He's not Mr. Fix-It. He is the lover of your soul. We know how to implore Him, but we really don't know how to enjoy Him. And that's really the issue of why most people fail to pray is because they think that, that, that my conversation with the Lord is more about a list that I've got to make it through than just the enjoyment of being with Him in His presence. This is prayer. That's the call to prayer. That's the call of what it means. The number one priority of your life and of my life should be to connect to His presence in a time of fellowship, in a time of, 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 of even need or concern or crisis. That will certainly come up. But I want to connect to Him on a personal level of just saying, Lord, You know me. I want to know You more and more. And just enjoying your relationship with God. This is where the joy of serving the Lord comes from, is just being in a relationship with Him and enjoying life, being being a follower of Jesus. It's not running around trying to put fires out. It's saying, Lord, I so enjoy just being in Your presence. We did that earlier. We're, We're there now. Holy Spirit is speaking now. We are enjoying His presence. We are opening His Word. He's revealing things to us. There are things that I have not said, but the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, and you've written them down because you're just like, wow, that's great, because the Holy Spirit is talking to you through the voice of the Father. He's speaking right now to you. That is the fellowship of, the, of, of God. That's, that's what He wants. Here's the point. Here's, here's, here's the thing. If you are taking notes, this is, the, this is a blank. The call of prayer is the call to presence. That's what the call of prayer is. The call of prayer is not, oh, we got to intercede. The call of prayer is, hey, come to presence. Come to my presence. Come be with me. Come be close to me. Come let me talk to you. And the subject that usually we bring to him is not the subject he first wants to talk about, right? (laughs) He changes the subject so quickly. In the beginning, this is the way it was. Bringing heaven to earth began in Genesis chapter 3. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch online two or three, four weeks ago. 
you'll understand a little bit more. I don't want to have time to flesh that back out, but we want God's kingdom to be seen in our life. It's easy for us to get him to get for God to give get us to heaven. It's hard for us for him to get heaven into us. That's the problem. You also see this go on in Jesus' life. I want to look at his life. Look, in, look over in Luke chapter 3. Just the simple fact that Jesus prayed. The fact that Jesus prayed. I mean, stop. Think about that. Just stop. Jesus prayed. That deserves a little bit more consideration, doesn't it? Why would Jesus pray? Isn't he God? If you're a visual learner, Jesus' life is a master class in the walk of a Christian. It is a master class in the, in the way a follower of Jesus lives their life. Why did Jesus pray? Because he needed connection to the Father. As the Son of God, if he prayed, it would make his prayers simply talking to himself. Anybody ever felt like your prayer was just, felt like you were just talking to yourself? You can be honest. You're just talking to, I'm just talking to me. Well, let me bust your bubble. You're not God, so you're not talking to you. Secondly, sometimes the Lord wants to speak to you by using your own voice. And so he will talk to you. But the reason why Jesus prayed is not that he was the son of God, but he's also the son of man. And he had to example, not only to his disciples, but to all of us and everyone who sees his word, what it was like and how it was necessary to be have this closeness to the Father where you could be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the kingdom life on earth. That's what Jesus' goal was. He wanted to expose everyone around him to the, to the kingdom that he had brought. The kingdom of heaven is near. And if that was the case in Jesus' life, how much more do we need that intimacy with the Father? Luke talks about prayer and the life of Jesus more than any other of the Gospels. Seven times he talks about in specific times where Jesus goes off to pray. The first time is one that honestly, in my own life, I have missed for a number of years until recently, and I found this, and I thought, I never saw that before. In Luke chapter 3, sister passage of Matthew chapter 3, if you only read Matthew, you only get, you, you get a portion of this, but you don't get Luke's perspective and what Luke saw and understood. In Luke chapter 3, you see the main purpose of this is Jesus' baptism. John's baptizing. People are being baptized. Jesus comes to be baptized. And the purpose of Jesus being baptized was not because he was a sinner. It was so that he could, he could give himself to the purpose of God, to fulfill all righteousness, okay? An example for us. Complete surrendering to the Father. Look with me in Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 21. And when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Now here is the phrase that I have missed forever. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, 
with you I am well pleased. Now, some of you may have seen this for a long time, but I, I didn't. I miss this for a long time. Luke says, in the middle of Jesus' baptism, and as he was praying. Now, wait a second. I thought he was just standing in the water, going up and down, bobbing like a cork. I thought that's what was taking place, that John the Baptist was doing all this, and Jesus was, you know, in the dove, and I was distracted by the dove, and I was distracted by the voice of the Father, but I didn't realize that it was all in the context of prayer. Heaven was opened... In the context of prayer. Let me repeat that on this side just in case. Heaven was opened in the context of prayer. It wasn't in the context of the water or the activity of baptism. Heaven was opened in the context of prayer. Luke adds this very important detail. And as Jesus was praying, whether he was praying, and I believe he was praying before he went under and after he went under and came out. In the context of prayer, it says that the heavens were opened. It was this back and forth dialogue between Jesus and the Father that caused heaven to open upon Jesus and the Spirit of God came down and the voice of God was heard. Now let me just tell you, friends, in our own life, it is in the context of prayer that we receive an open heaven and the Spirit of God begins to flood our life and the voice of the Father becomes clear and understandable. It's in the context of prayer, in that fellowship, in that dialogue between you and the Father, in that, in that, in enjoying each other's presence, that God begins to open up things upon you in the spiritual realm that you are not going to be privy to by just natural means. It is in the context of prayer. Jesus' ministry began in the moment of prayer. We mark the the beginning of Jesus' ministry by his baptism. But it wasn't because he went down and got in the water and then came up out of the water that all of a sudden God the Father says, you know what, let's start our ministry today. It was in the context of prayer. Lord, let this begin. Father, not my will but yours. Let's go. Let's do this. You see, that's important. You see that? that? Isn't that wonderful? That it's in the context of prayer that heavens opened for Jesus. It's the same way in our own lives. It's in the context of prayer. Jesus was so dependent upon prayer that he could not function without that deep conversation, without that constant fellowship with the Father. Can I just tell you, we need more prayer in our homes. We need more prayer in our schools. We need more prayer in the job. We need more prayer for our spouse and for our children and for our friends. We need more prayer in the church. Can I get an amen? We need more fellowship with the Father. That's why I kind of paused everything today to break us out of that routine, that habit to just jump to something else. Let's stop. Let's talk to the Father because in the midst of all of these activities, in the context of prayer, in the context of dialogue, in the context of fellowship, heaven opens. I want heaven to open in your life. I want the Holy Spirit to come descend upon you to overwhelm you. I want the voice of the Father to become clear 
audible or inaudible impression, nudge, whatever you want to call it. I want the voice of the Father to become clear. We must be reawakened to the fact that this is what prayer does. It is this constant fellowship. It is this constant relationship that causes heaven to open upon our life. Some of you are saying, oh God, I need your favor to rest upon me. How does that happen? It happens in the context of prayer. Every spiritual gift that we receive happens in the context of prayer. Now, remember, I'm not talking about a to-do list. I'm not talking about taking your list and say, okay, God, this is what I need, page one, page two. It is in the fellowship and the enjoyment of being with him in his presence. John chapter 17, Jesus is teaching. And if you want to know what Jesus said as we approach Easter, if you want to know what Jesus said on that night... John 15, 16, 17, 18. These are the words that Jesus spoke. And on John, in John 17, 11, he says this. He's telling these fellows, he's saying these disciples, he said, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And he's praying to the Father. It's in the context of prayer. Once again, he's praying. And I am concerning and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. Now notice this. So that they may be one as we are one. In verse 21 of John 17, in verse, 20, in verse 22, in verse 23, he repeats the exact same phrase. Jesus makes the exact same phrase as we are one, as make them one as we are one. Here's the pure goal of prayer. The pure goal of prayer is not that God would give you what you ask of him. It's that God would give you the same attitude, the same spirit, the same character, the same nature, the same thoughts that he would replicate in your life the nature of God, the nature of the Father. That's what he wants to do, is replicate himself in you. Not just meet your needs. He wants to replicate himself. As, as you and I are one, Father, let them be one with you. Intimacy that God describes in Genesis chapter 2 when he talks about man and woman coming together and becoming one flesh Paul shows that in the New Testament by talking about Christ and the church, Christ and the bride. That that intimacy happens in the context of prayer. That is where intimacy and fellowship with the Father takes place, where you become one with the Father. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've gone into a season of prayer and you've begun to pray and as you started to pray, it was just, it felt like it was kind of shallow and you were just kind of talking. It felt like you're like, I'm talking to myself. It's hitting the ceiling, you know. And then all of a sudden, something begins to happen. Heavens begin to open. And there is this dialogue that begins to occur and you can feel his nearness. That is his presence. And as you begin to converse with him, you, you begin to sense this is more than just a, a, a request list or a prayer, prayer list. This is a conversation that's intimate with the Father. That, that's, what, that's what happens when we, when we draw into prayer. The intimate unity is where the dynamic of prayer exists. Everything that we receive is found in the Father. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. 
says, praise be to the Lord God, our father. Paul says this, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's blessed you and I with every spiritual blessing in Christ because of this intimacy that we have. The Father has blessed us through Christ in every spiritual blessing. Every, just, say, just look at somebody and say, every spiritual blessing. Now understand this. It's in your account, but you may not have possession of it all. He's blessed you With every spiritual blessing, it's in your account. You just may not have possession of it. You see, that's what the Christian life is all about. The Christian life is about making withdrawals from that account. I know a lot of people who boast about having everything, but they can't display anything. They talk about having power. They don't display any. They talk about having peace. They talk about having love for one another. They talk about having joy, but they don't display any of that. Why? It's because they have not approached the Father and made a withdrawal in the context of prayer. You have to engage your bank to make a withdrawal. They're not just going to automatically start sending you cash. It'd be nice. You make withdrawals in your Christian walk with Him through that context of prayer. Are you with me? Everybody still awake? Still alive? All right. Let's look at these five things. I'm going to do this quickly. So get ready. There's five things that happens when you pray. Number one is that God's power is released. James chapter 5 verse 16 says this. It says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I love what the NASV says. It says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. (laughs) It's the Greek word energomai. It means to be active. It means to to be enthusiastic. It means to have passion. It means fervency. The prayer that is that does not accomplish anything is the prayer that is not prayed with energomai. With there's no passion, there's no urgency, there's no fervency at all. And when you combine a fervent prayer with a righteous life, you get answers. Because the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You make a withdrawal on your account through prayer because your righteousness and the fervency are heard by the Lord and He responds. So prayer is God's power that's released. I'll never forget quickly, just we were in we were in eastern Ukraine. If you turn on the news now, all of the places that you see that are getting bombed, I've been all I've been up and down all of that. Been in churches in, in many of those little villages and cities. We were in a little place, a little village called Belinka. We were having a little prayer service there. We're praying for people. It was a the, this section of se- of seats was about as big as the building. We were all just piled in there. It was an old Soviet base. There had never been. I was the first American to go in there. They checked us. 
<laughs> we're riding in the car, this little Russian Lada, and the and my pastor friend, he he looks at me and, and I said, Hey, they've got Kalishnikovs. Like they're like you said this is a military base? I know that I'm not supposed to be here. What are they gonna do? He said, Just look Russian. <laughs> so I just put a scowl on my face, you know, grip my teeth a little bit, pulled my schlapa down. We went in there and we're praying for people. And you, some of you have heard this story. As we began to pray, we had a line of prayer and we we're just all praying. It was just a, it was a, a time of just encouraging one another in prayer. We we're praying for the sick. The Lord comes and, and he heals this man of, of this tumor. It was amazing. I mean, the tumor is there. Five minutes later, the tumor is gone. It was a, it was a miracle. It was amazing. It happened in the context of prayer. We stopped. We said, we need to have some engagement with the Father. We have dialogue. And that's what happened. Is That's what prayer does. Prayer releases God's power. The second thing is that prayer, when we pray, our lives are enhanced. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we're very bold. You skip down to verse 17. The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, or there is liberty. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. What are we reflecting? We're reflecting the liberty to break every chain. We're being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. When we pray to the Lord, we are recognizing Him as someone and not something in an ever-increasing relationship. You see, here's what happens. The Lord will, when you, when you come to Him in prayer, the Lord will either change things for you or He will change you for those things. Let me say that again. I want to make sure you got that. When you pray, sometimes the Lord will change things for you or He will change you for the thing that you are facing. He enhances our life to such a way that there is no mountain that cannot be moved. That there is no mountain we cannot walk over or walk through or river we cannot cross. There is nothing that presents itself in our life that we cannot be victorious over spiritually and in in our walk because He enhances us to such a place where in that conversation that we have in context of prayer, prayer enhances our life to give us something that we can't gain any, any other way. He may lighten your burden or He may strengthen your back. Come on. Oh, God, you see me, my need. Deliver me. He says, let's go for a workout. Let's lose some weight. That takes us back to James chapter 1, doesn't it? Lord, let's don't, let's don't do that. Let's do it my way. I like, the, I like the, Lord, just suddenly make me strong. Make this thing go away. No, let's do some work. He enhances our life. Third thing that prayer does is strongholds are torn down. What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 10? He says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
Some of you need to stop the enemy from operating freely in your life. That only happens by prayer. Some of you in your life, in your family, the enemy has, has for generation after generation after generation, he has operated freely, whether it was alcoholism, whether it was addiction, whether it was just an onset sickness that continued over and over and over. Come on. You need to stop that And the only way that that has ceased is through the power of prayer. You have to have a conversation with the Father and say, The Lord, the enemy has operated way too freely in my family. And I take authority over that. He's given you the authority to do so. And He wants you to walk into that authority. And to do that, you tear the strongholds that the enemy has built up around you. In other words, you're tearing the forts down that the enemy has built up that you always have to dodge. You say, oh, I have to be careful here because, you know, I'm, I'm Irish and I've got a little anger problem. Well, I've got to be careful here, you know, because my grandpa was an alcoholic and my dad was an alcoholic, and so I have to just be careful here. You know what you need to do? You need to destroy the stronghold that the enemy's built up in your life so that you can be free and so that your children can be free and their grandchildren can be free. Come on, somebody. That's what it's about. You destroy those things. You destroy that. The engagement of the enemy in their life through the context of prayer. Number four is when you pray, unbelievers' eyes are open to salvation. Paul says the God of this age has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. Then finally, Daniel, would you come? The heart of God is blessed when you pray. I love this verse. Proverbs 15, 8 says that the Lord detests the sacrifices of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. (laughs) The prayer of the upright pleases him. This goes back to being in His presence, being in fellowship with the heart of God. The prayer of the upright pleases Him. When you pray, what you are doing is you are pleasing. The the heart of God is pleased because He wants to be in fellowship with you constantly. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As I was praying over this message this morning, I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how do you want us to to wrap up? I'm doing a lot of teaching on prayer. Powerful prayer requires fellowship and familiarity with the Father. There may be someone here who is not in fellowship and you're not familiar. You don't know Him. The reason Jesus came was to reveal the Father to us. He came to seek and save the lost. Where are they lost from? They're lost from the Father. They've walked away from the Father like a child would get lost at the state fair if they were left to roam on their own. That's exactly what we did. We were like sheep. We went astray. We did our own thing. And we have been lost from the Father. He hasn't changed the dress. He is still in the same spot. And He is calling you and He sent Jesus his own son to find you. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, all of this sounds great. I would love to to be able to enjoy this close relationship with the Father. 
when I need to be introduced first. most important prayer you can pray is this prayer. The prayer that says, Lord, you see where I'm at. You see all my brokenness, my failure. You see my sin and you self-admit, God, I I walked off. I, I lost. I'm not what Jesus is. I am not the person Jesus desires me to be. I've made, I've made some poor choices in life. And you can be introduced to him and you can have a relationship with the Father today. And it's the most important prayer you can pray because it is the first prayer that brings you into that fellowship. In the context of this prayer, salvation comes into your life. And all of a sudden, the the number that seemed to be gone, all of a sudden now you can connect to him like a phone call. Is there anybody in this room who would say, Pastor, I want to know this fellowship. I'm not right with God. I I know I'm not right. I've got things in my life that prevent me from having that fellowship with the Lord. But today I I I want that to change. I want the Lord to come to forgive me, to deliver me, to change me, to transform my life into something that I used to be. Now I'm going to be something that He wants me to be. If you're here this morning... Would you just slip your hand up real quick? We're not gonna, we're not gonna beleaguer the mud. But would you just say, you know what, that's me, Pastor? Would you just raise your hand? Let me see. Can we just raise it up real high? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Four or five hands. Anybody else? Once you've raised your hands and you just look at me and I, you just put your hand back down. Anybody else? I want to begin this journey. It sounds exciting. It sounds so fun. It sounds so fulfilling. It is. It's got to start right here. This is the moment. You raised your hand. Here's here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. I want you to approach him like you would approach someone that you truly love. Some of you don't have the context of a good father. But I want you to know he is a good father and you can approach him as one who cares more about your life than you can even know. In just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and this is the prayer that you're just going to pray and I want you to approach him just like a conversation that you would talk to a good father and say, Oh, Father, I've broken your heart. I'm so sorry. I know what Jesus did for me and I accept what he did forgive me of my sin give me a new life from today forward thanks for listening to this message if you were blessed by this ministry we want to encourage you to share it and if you don't have a church home come join us any Sunday at 1030